Welcome to Chad's podcast, uh, Chad, Chad the Chaplain, uh, Chaplain Chad's podcast. Um, <clears throat> we're glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, right now we are going to look at the book of Acts. Uh, if this was a regular class, we would break it into two sessions, uh, but we're going to try to make it one session uh, right now. Uh, we're just going to do an overview, a quick uh, survey of the book of Acts. Uh, this is important as chaplains because we see the Word of God grow. Matter of fact, uh, some theologians will say that is the theme of the book of Acts is the Word of God grows. I would agree with that, um, but I, I want to include a scripture to go with that. Uh, and it's going to be Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Uh, Jesus says, uh, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so from that point on, we see the book of Acts in the book of Acts uh, being divided into those uh, to those regions to, to from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So that is uh, the overview uh, theme is that the word of God grows. Uh, there are some interesting characteristics about the gospel or, or the book of Acts. Um, it, it gives us a framework of the imperial history, uh, the, the history of, of what the imperial Rome looks like. Matter of fact, uh, you can read the book of Acts and you will see Paul's missionary journeys and you will see where he is writing to Corinth or visiting the church at Corinth or the book of Galatians. You will see that Paul has uh, planted the church there. And so then later on, you could read in the New Testament those books that he wrote to those churches that he planted. Um, Luke also, or the author also, has geographical notes. Um, Luke, uh, when he is writing, he uses geographical markers. Uh, and because of that, the historian... Uh, William Ramsey became a believer uh, in the gospel, believer of Jesus Christ, because of the accuracy of Luke. Many people say that the Bible was, is nothing but uh, a bunch of stories, uh, make-believe stories. Uh, but William Ramsey found that when he read the Bible, that there were some historical markers there. And so... Uh, those matched up, and when you match those up and you put them with Jesus, that's pretty convincing. There's also a biographical interest Luke gives to us uh, in that he mentions 27 non-believers. Now, we're not going to hit on those non-believers. We're not going to talk about those 27 non-believers. Uh, it is just important to know that Luke marks them out. He... He tells us about their stories, how they interact with the, uh, with the book. Uh, there are uh, several historical synchronisms. Um, so, for example, Luke mentions the death of Herod Agrippa in, uh, the first in A.D. 44. He mentions that in Acts chapter 12, verse 23. Uh, it says, Acts 12, 23, states that, and immediately, because he had not given glory to God, the angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. 
Uh, and that starts uh, in verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they, so they came to him in a body, and after winning over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for a reconciliation because their country depended on the king's country for food. Um, but he did not uh, heed the Lord in that situation, and so the Lord had him killed. Uh, there's also uh, a famine underneath Claudius. And that's in chapter 11, verse 28. He mentions, um, he says in Acts chapter 11, verse 28, one of the name, uh, one of them was named Agabus, who stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine all over the world. And this took place during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples determined uh, that according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending it to others or to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Uh, also, you have um, the expulsion of the Jews from Rome uh, in Acts chapter 18, verse 2. He says, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a, na a native of a Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Uh, we also have uh, the proconsulship of Galileo, Galileo in, 18, in Acts chapter 18, verse 12. We also have the procurator of uh, Felix, who uh, reigned. From 52 to 59 A.D., that's in Acts chapter 23, verse 26. And then also the procuratorship of Festus, 59, A.D., 59 through 60, and that's in Acts chapter 24, 27. Uh, and so, uh, again, looking at and studying the history and these markers, um, along with some other ones, uh, William Ramsey became a, a believer in Jesus. Uh, the theology that is really mentioned here, uh, that Paul mentions, is uh, the theology of the ascension of the Lord. Acts of the Holy Spirit, some people say, uh, is the title or the theme for the book of Acts. Um, Jesus ascended, the work of the Holy Spirit through the church, the triumphant progress, progress of the gospel. Uh, and then also the apostles, and some would say it's the Acts of the Apostle, uh, and their witness and authority in Acts, is, Acts chapters 1 through 12, we see really the Acts of Paul, or Peter, I'm sorry. And in Acts chapter 12 through 28, we see Paul is the dominant theme and the apostle there. Um, there are several factors that we need to consider as well. Um, when we think about the gospel or the, the book of Acts, um, and that is uh, the literary analysis of the book of Acts. What, what kind of literature is made up of, uh, made, uh, is Luke made up of, or Acts made up of? Uh, the theme and the plan, uh, again, uh, the literary analysis is the witness from Jerusalem to and Rome, a history uh, of geographical movement. 
uh, progress happens in six panels. So from uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, through Acts chapter 9, verse 30, we see the, uh, the expansion of Christianity and the witness of Christianity in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 31, through Acts chapter 12, verse 23, we have the witness of uh, Peter and Paul um, in, uh, in Judea and Samaria. In Acts chapter 12, verse 24, through Acts chapter 16, verse 4, we have the Gentile Christianity movement, uh, and that's in 40 and 41 A.D., then we have the expansion of um, we have the expansion of the gospel into Asia Minor in chapter sixteen, verse five, through nineteen, verse nineteen. Uh, in verse uh, Acts nineteen twenty, we have the Aegean Sea area, Aegean area, Christian growth. Again, this is to the ends of the earth, right? Uh, A.D. fifty to fifty five. And in Acts 20, uh, 19, 21, um, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, we see Christianity moving into Rome uh, in 55 and, and 60 through 60. Luke, does, uh, does Luke historicize uh, theology or does theologize uh, history? Uh, he has history and he brings in the theology how did christianity go from bethlehem to judea to jerusalem to samaria to the ends of the earth and paul is giving us that history of how we in the west got the gospel uh, so what are the sources uh that makes up uh, uh the gospel or i'm sorry uh, the gospel movement in acts but the book of acts Two-thirds of the book are speeches. Uh, Paul gives the speeches all throughout the latter half of Acts. Peter gives a bunch of speeches in the first half, or sermons, you can say. Uh, then we have some eyewitnesses uh, in, in archives. This is where Luke is writing down what is happening in Acts, because he's a, he's a partner with... Luke. I mean, Luke is with Paul as a witness, um, and he is taking notes down. So he's also uh, keeping a diary, so to speak. Um, we all, uh, from the second, from from the earliest parts of the first century, early second century, we have always believed that Luke is uh, the author, and we come to that that belief and that thought process because in Acts chapter 1 verse 1 he says the first book Theopolis I wrote to you about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up into heaven well that takes us back to Luke chapter 1 verse 1 when Paul, when Luke is writing since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have Fulfilled, been fulfilled until, uh, among us, just as they were handed down to us by those whom from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, after investigating everything uh, carefully, 
from the very first to write in an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theopolis. So verses 1 through 4 in Luke match pretty much the same thing that is mentioned in Acts chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. So we believe that Luke is there. Uh, there's a lot of mention of we sections in the Bible. We believe that as Luke makes a transition from a second and third person implying it, that he is that eyewitness account that we mentioned in the sources. Also, uh, we believe from the very um, early on, alleged discrepancies with Paul, but they were not all done. Paul says what Luke does as well. And the tradition of the early church um, from the first and second centuries. We believe that uh, Paul or Luke wrote this uh, around 62 AD. So close to less than 30 years after Jesus was crucified. Uh, we believe the gospel has been spread out throughout the ends of the earth by that time. And when we say the ends of the earth, we mean the known world at that time. Uh, we, we are pretty sure that the apostles and the, and the majority of the people of that time period were not aware of Europe and Amer the, what we now call Americas and South America, North America, those types of things, and Central America. The ends of the earth really for them was Spain. And Paul talks about in Rome how he is wanting to go to Spain. Uh, the purpose uh, of the book of Acts really is, uh, is a catechism. Uh, who is Jesus and how do we spread his gospel? And so that's why it's important to understand that the majority of the book of Acts is, is a bunch of teachings. They're teachings from Peter and their teachings from Paul. Uh, Paul or Luke mentions here uh, in Acts, as well as in Luke, two mysterious men. In Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he mentions these two men. Uh, verse 10 says, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 says, While he was going up, they, they were gazing toward heaven, and suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, verse 4, we have two mysterious men. <clears throat> and it says this, While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothe, clothes stood beside them. And again, uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 30 and 31, we have two men who some may believe are those two mysterious men. And nine, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 30 and 31, mentions these two men. They will be familiar to you uh, because they are men of the Old Testament. And he says... In verse 30, let's see here if I can find it. Suddenly, uh, the two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking to him. 
And they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So the question is, are the two men in Luke chapter 24 and the two men in Acts chapter 1, Moses and, and Eli, Elijah? Uh, Moses is known as the lawgiver and Elijah is known as the greatest of the Hebrew prophets. Uh, and he was taken from heaven. Uh, the meaning would simply be this. If it is Moses and it is Elijah, the meaning would be that the law and the prophets are pers personified in Moses and Elijah. They provide testimony to the climatic moments in Jesus' existence. Uh, Moses and Elijah appeared at the Mount of Transfiguration, Act, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. They also possibly could have appeared at the resurrection and also the ascension of Jesus in Acts, uh, Luke, uh, or Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Interesting thought, um, but uh, it's a little brain teaser there for you. So let's think about the outline of the book of Acts. First of all, we have the mission in Palestine, the beginnings in Jerusalem. Remember, we mentioned that uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses, and you shall, uh, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now we're beginning in Jerusalem. Acts chapters 1, uh, verse 1 through Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we have uh, this time period covers 80, 30 to 35. It's a period that is characterized by three events. The coming of the Holy Spirit, the church is then formed. The rise of persecution, remember they're driven out of Jerusalem. And then the pursuit of the mission beyond the Jews. Uh, remember that Jesus had mentioned in the Gospels that he has sheep, not of this country, not of this fold. And we believe that that, uh, that sheep, those sheep are us as Gentiles. Uh, we have in verses uh, 1, 1, uh, chapter 1, 1, uh, verses, uh, through chapter 2, verse 47, we have the waiting for the promise. We have the 40 days uh, after the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ until the ascension. We have the choice of the new apostles. Remember, Judas uh, gave uh, Jesus up, and so they found, they, they cast lots for, um, to replace Judas. Uh, we have the day of Pentecost, uh, the tongues of fire. There was much sound. Uh, there was much noise there. Uh, and then the sermon of Peter, he preached the gospel in Acts chapter uh, 1, verses 14 through, uh, really through 36. <clears throat> uh, if you haven't read that in a while, I would encourage you to read it. Uh, here again, uh, and then we had the first Christian church in Acts chapter 40, uh, chapter 2, verse 47 and 42, uh, 42 through 47, really, um, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And all fell upon them because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles, all who believed were together and they had all things in common they would sell the possessions and uh, and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they had need 
And day by day they spent much time together in the temple, and they broke bread at home, and ate their food, and with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having good will of all the people. And day by day the Lord added to their number. So we have the first church uh, mentioned. Now, uh, it's not the first time the church is mentioned. Uh, Jesus mentioned that in Matthew chapter 16, I believe it is. Um, and then we have the advancing by boldness and adversity in Acts chapter three, verses six, uh, chapter three, verse one through six, seven. Uh, we have the first trial of the Sanhedrin. We have a judgment and the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, that's always a, a good conversation to have. The second trial before the Sanhedrins, uh, Peter and John were preaching Jesus, and they were called in uh, by the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees believed in the fate and thought that if someone had, had uh, something bad had happened, it was because of their bad behavior. Um, and then we have the summary of that uh, period is growth in Jerusalem. There seems to be a difference when people are saved through the book of Acts. Some say that there, there are models that different denominations follow. So if you read through the book of Acts, some people got the Holy Spirit as soon as they got saved, and some were not, had not heard about the gospel or, or the baptism of, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit until Paul or Peter had mentioned something to them. Yet there also seems that there are different periods in which those who received Christ. Again, I think everybody was looking, or not everybody, but there were people looking for the Christ. They did not understand what the Christ meant, what the Messiah meant, what the death, burial, and resurrection meant. They simply took it by faith. And when they accepted it, when they heard about it, they accepted that truth and that fact. And in doing so, they then received the Holy Spirit. The next phase, uh, part two, or, or, or point number two, really in the outline, uh, is the outreach of Judea and Samaria. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through chapter 9, verse 31. This covers the, the time period of A.D. 35 through 40. The church grew. Its first outreach was a response to persecution. Apostles stay and others go. Uh, there are three major figures in this period. Stephen, the first martyr, Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through uh, chapter 8, verse 3. Uh, there was, uh, he was arrested by and tried by the Sanhedrin. Stephen's defense, his pilgrimage, and his rebellion, um, according to them, to the Sanhedrin, and then the execution by stoning. Remember uh, that the young Saul was there uh, at that stoning. And the church scattered because of this persecution. We find this persecution even more so, or not persecution, but the dispersion in the book of James. In the book of James, and then Peter also writes about it in his writings. In James chapter 1, James says this to the servant, uh, James, the servant of, the, of, of God, uh, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion uh, greetings. And then you go to Peter, who says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontius and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bethania, uh, 
who have been chosen and destined by God the Father, sanctified by the Spirit and obedient to Jesus Christ, and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. So we see that this dispersion in much of the rest of the New Testament is written to those who are in that dispersion. Um, so then we have uh, also uh, not only the, uh, let's see, where are we at? The persecution by stoning. The church is scattered in persecution. Philip is the second um, major person uh, in uh, figure in this part of the book of Acts. Philip the Evangelist in chapter 8, verses 40 through, uh, 4 through 40. Uh, and then we also have the first, he is also known as the first missionary. He's preaching uh, and has, gives signs in Samaria. He's a conversion of Simon and Magas. He uh, confirms both Peter and John. And he witnesses to the Ethiopian eunuch. What always caught me uh, in that, that situation was that after he baptized the, uh, the, uh, the, the eunuch, he left. Uh, when he came out of the water, verse 39, uh, chapter 8, verse 39, when he came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But, verse 40 says, Philip found himself at Astos, and, was, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Uh, so I always find that interesting how just God would just pick him up and move him. But that's, that's the way that God worked back then. Uh, he used signs and miracles because he needed to get his word out. Uh, and then the third figure that we see in this period is, is Saul. Uh, we know him as Paul, the persecutor. Um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 31, uh, he has a heavenly vision. He's on the street called Straight, uh, on the road to Damascus. Uh, his early preaching ministry, and then the summary of this uh, period, is the growth of Christianity in Judea and Samaria. The Jewish literature has no concept of the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not uh, dwell the believers. Uh, he rested on the believers. It says that the Holy Spirit came upon Samson. The Holy Spirit came upon Gideon. The Holy Spirit came upon uh, David. But he did not rest there. It was not until the book of Acts and at Pentecost that we have that. Then we have uh, the foundations of the Gentile mission. Uh, this starts in Acts chapter 12, verse 24. Peter and Jewish Christianity disappear. Scene shifts to the north of Jerusalem, uh, and uh, Christianity begins in a Gentile mission field. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 24 and this takes place during AD 40 through 45 again if Jesus was buried uh, crucified buried and rose again in 33 AD we're talking less than seven years later 
uh, the world is hearing about the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Judea and Samaria, uh, the formative work of uh, Peter at Acts chapter 9, 32 through eleven eighteen, He heals um, Arrhenius at Lydia, at, at Lydda. Uh, and up until Acts chapter 10, verse 1, Peter had nothing to do with Gentiles. Uh, he, was, uh, he stayed away from them. And then in Acts chapter 10, he has a vision, Peter does, a vision three times to take up and eat. At this point, Peter changes his view of what God is doing. Um, he raises uh, Dorcas at Joppa, the vision and conversion of Cornelius, again in Acts chapter 10. Uh, the Gentile Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is saving the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. And then the Jerusalem verdict uh, in Acts, in Luke, uh, actually it's going to be in Acts chapter 15, we will see that. But Peter is already getting this conception and this perception that the Gentiles are also going to have salvation through Jesus Christ. Uh, the goodwill of Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas means comfort, encouraging one. In Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. Christians is a Latin word in, in, a Latin, in Latin was a demeaning or a degrading meaning. Uh, they were acting like little Christ. And the people of that day, the Gentiles and, and some of the Jews, uh, the pagans, did not like Jesus. So it was a degrading uh, view of, of Christianity. Christians is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. Uh, in the establishment of the church at, at Antioch, a friend of Paul's, and in the famine relief of Jerusalem are the only three times that uh, it is mentioned. We have again the persecution of, by Herod Agrippa I in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 24. We looked at that a little bit. At this point, he is killing James. He arrests Peter. And then the death of Herod Agrippa, uh, some think that he, in AD 44, think that he had cancer. But again, here uh, is the ideal that uh, the growth of uh, Christianity in Syria. Just a couple weeks ago, I was able to visit a site in Syria that had uh, a church. Uh, the foundations of that church was built a thousand years prior to. Uh, the man who allowed us to go into the church and to see it uh, said that he had seen it revitalized three times. In the history of that church, uh, the Ottoman Empire came in and, killed, and burned down the church and killed 21 people inside of it. So the current foundation of that church is built on 21 believers. Uh, so let's skip on to uh, the mission uh, missionary advance from Antioch in Acts chapter 12, verse 25 through 13, 12. This is uh, Paul's first missionary journey uh, in uh, AD 46, uh, mission to the island of Cyprus in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 25 through Acts chapter 13, 12. The commission of Barnabas and Saul uh, 
And this commission is a lot like the way that we commission our people in the Baptist church, uh, which I come from, is there's a laying on the hands. Uh, there's an, uh, there's a, um, an agreement on God's call, and the Spirit ordains the individuals. And then the church sends them out as a chaplain. I am ordained my, by my church, and I'm endorsed by my convention. Um, and then there's a preaching uh, in Salamis and Paphos. And then we also have some more Elimus and Sigris of Paulus, uh, some more preaching there. And then we have a mission in the providence of Galatia. Here we go. Paul is now visiting Galatia. He's going to establish a church in Galatia. Uh, and you can read about that in the book of Galatians. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 28. Uh, Mark left Paul at this point of falling out of favor. Uh, for some reason, uh, they had a disagreement. Uh, later on, Paul does ask for John Mark to come back and to be uh, with him. Uh, Paul's methods for evangelism. Um, this is good for us as Christians today. How do we go about evangelizing the lost? Well, uh, if there's an unopened door, if nobody is wanting uh, to hear us on the streets or in wherever we may be in, in the marketplace, then let's go to the church. That's what Paul did. He went to the synagogues, uh, and he was able to tell people about uh, the risen Savior then. Uh, maybe uh, there was an aroused opposition. Uh, you and, and someone else, Paul and someone else, had a disagreement, but you never, you never accuse them and take them to court. Rather, you become their friend. We call this friendship evangelism. And then the idolatrous, uh, idolatrous public, don't get puffed up because of the people, because people will puff you up. Never get uh, thinking that you're better than you are or more knowledgeable than you are, because people will, will puff you up anyway, making you uh, something that you're not. So uh, Paul, uh, in, in, his, in his methods of evangelism, we could say it this way. Uh, he would go to the church if there wasn't an open door. Uh, if in Acts chapter 17, Paul finds that these people are going to uh, ridicule him for his belief, he just speaks to them, uh, confrontational. And then uh, he also shares with them his knowledge um, in, in witnessing. And then finally, uh, when there's an incomplete mission, when he uh, can't finish what he wants to say, then he builds a church. He starts a church, uh, and then he goes back and strengthens them. Uh, we have the Jerusalem count or conference. This is the time that the, the disciples were trying to de decide whether God was allowing salvation unto the Gentiles. That's me and you. Uh, so there was a great conflict that, that arose, uh, the Jew-Gentile uh, debate. Does a Gentile need to become circumcised to uh, become a Christian? Do they need to worship on certain days? Do they need to, uh, to, um, to observe certain holidays? Are there certain foods that they can't eat and abstain from? Um, so this was a conversation that they had in Acts chapter uh, 15, verse 1, through Acts chapter 16, verse 5. 
there's the deliberations. Uh, then James gives his summation in Acts uh, chapter 15, verses 13 through 21. And then he delivers the apostolic uh, decree. Here's what you do. Uh, and this is how you accept them. And this is how the gospel goes further. Uh, so now we have the mission world of Paul. Uh, this happens around uh, 50 to 55 AD. Um, and its residence is approximately starts in Ephesus. So again, Paul starts a church in Ephesus. Uh, and he writes them a book later on to encourage them and to strengthen them and to disciple them. Uh, we can read all about that in the book of Ephesians. Uh, Paul enters Corinth in AD 50, 51. Uh, we see that in Acts chapter 18. Also in Gal Gal uh, Galileo uh, to Corinth in July of AD 55. And this is a historic fact. Uh, Galileo there. Uh, Galileo, I'm sorry. Uh, then we have evangelism of the Aegean shores. Acts chapter six, uh, 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 19, 20, uh, chapter 19, verse 20. This, again, is all around the time of A.D. 50 to 55. It's Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, it's his mission to, uh, to Macedonia in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through chapter 17, verse 15. It's a Macedonian vision. Uh, he sees a vision that he must go to Macedonia. Uh, here, Lydia is converted in verse 14, and she was wealthy. He then goes to Philippi, uh, goes to jail there, and he, is, he converts the Philippine, uh, the Philippian jailer. Again, uh, we read a lot of uh, his story there, his, his, his journeys there, and what happened there in the book of Philippians. Uh, the jailer asks some questions. What must I do to be saved? Whatever the father did in the home, normally the household did. So uh, as a minister, several years ago, pre-2000, uh, the thing was that if the children get saved in the house, that the parents would often get saved. And that's why we had VBS. It was a child evangelism event. And then on the final night that we would invite the parents to come and the kids would show what they learned and what they did. And then we'd give an evangelistic outreach or call to the parents. And most of the times the parents would come to Christ. Today, post-2000, uh, if we can get the Father to accept Jesus Christ and become a disciple of Jesus Christ, the family would become uh, a Christian. And the same happened uh, in the days of Paul. Whatever the father did, the household did. Uh, yet it was not necessary uh, would the household become saved just because the father did. But it was a good chance that they did. Paul also visited Thessalonica. And if you recall, there are two books uh, of uh, Thessalonians. Uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul uh, actually practiced uh, his practice. If you read Paul in all of his books, he will tell you that he goes to the synagogue. So this is why it's important for us, I think, to go to church. 
Uh, Jesus gave us that example through the Gospels. He always went to the synagogues. Paul always went to the synagogues. The first place that Jesus went and Paul went when they went to a new town was to a church. If they had to go to church, if they went to church, if they thought it was important to go to church, why not us? Um, he went to, uh, to, to Thessalonica. He met the Berean Christians, and they loved the scriptures. We have the mission uh, in the province of Achaia in Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through Acts chapter 18, verse 17. Uh, here we have uh, the mission into Athens, uh, 17, uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. It's actually a, a melting point for beliefs. Uh, it is a very intellectual area. Uh, Acts chapter 17 is a very interesting chapter. I'd encourage you to read it. Look for some things that, that stand out when you read there. Uh, Paul will tell you what he does on several occasions. He will... Uh, his message is uh, the same in three different areas. Uh, in Thessalonica, and Berea, and in Athens, Paul has a method. I want to encourage you to look at that. Uh, and then Achaeus' uh, speech uh, was to an unknown God. Uh, in, in evangelizing them and debating who this unknown God is, who Paul says it is the God of heaven and earth, he uses three things to show them that who this God is. He uses their own poets. He uses their own beliefs, and he uses their own culture, which is very interesting. Um, Frank Turk, uh, a great Christian apologist, has a book called uh, Stealing from God, how every atheist has to steal from God to make their point. Uh, the point that we have a creation, that we have an earth. We have to use uh, science, which is God. We have to use uh, matter, which is from God. All of these things that we want to assume just happen, don't just happen. Anyway, then Paul goes on to Corinth. He writes them two letters there, First and Second Corinthians, to strengthen them. And then Paul stands before uh, Galileo um, and asks to see the emperor. Uh, Paul has a three-year ministry in Ephesus, which he will write a book to them later on. Uh, this is in Acts chapter 18, verse 18, through Acts chapter 19, verse 20. Um, Paul is writing to Ephesus, uh, writing to them in preparations for a visit there. Um, then we have an unseen, unseen route to Rome. Acts chapter 19, verse 21, through Acts chapter 28, uh, verse 31, the end of the book. This takes place around 55 A.D. to 60 A.D. It is Paul's uh, final, third and final uh, missionary journey. Uh, uh, some things that we want to take from here. In Jerusalem, Paul was an apostle, an ambassador in bonds. He departed from Ephesus into Greece. He journeyed to Jerusalem uh, to address the Ephesian leaders. And then there was a riot over temple trespassing. Did Paul bring in uh, Gentiles there? He was taken to Caesarea. Uh, and there we have a uh, speech to pacify the mob. A uh, speech before the Sanhedrin pleading his case. And then he is going to go see Claudius. 
In Caesarea, we have the captivity and appeal to Caesar in Acts chapter 2, uh, 26, um, 31, and 32. Uh, he has a two-year custody of Felix. Felix holds him in custody, doesn't want nothing. Uh, Felix doesn't want anything to happen to Paul, but he's not quite sure what to do with Paul. He does appeal to, uh, uh, to Caesar because Paul is a Roman citizen. He was born a Roman citizen. Uh, there were three ways uh, that you could become a Roman citizen. You could be born into a Roman citizen. You could be adopted by a Roman family. Or three, you can pay to become a Roman citizen. Paul was the highest of them by being born. And so when he was whipped and flogged and held uh, in detention, uh, you don't just hold a Roman citizen uh, in uh, custody for no for nothing uh, so Paul uh, would be heard by Agrippa the second and then Paul gives his apolo apologetic to what he believes and why he is there he refuses any kind of reconciliation because he wants to go to Rome Paul I was told in Acts chapter 9 that he would go before the Caesar that he would have great troubles and that he would um, go to Rome to see the, uh, the Caesar. In Rome, he has an unhindered advance to the gospel, uh, of the gospel. In Acts chapter 21, uh, 27, 1 through 28, 31. Uh, he goes to, to Crete via Myra. Uh, he, gets, uh, he encounters a storm and shipwrecked. From there, he goes to Malta, to South Italy. Uh, then he is again in captivity and min uh, ministry in Rome. He, is, uh, he has a freedom to come and go, and people are free to come and see him and go in Rome. And then uh, he has this abrupt, Luke does, this abrupt ending to uh, Acts. Verse 30 of chapter 28 says, He lived there two whole years at his uh, own expense and welcomed all who would come, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That is how the book of Acts ends, which is interesting because we're left with a cliffhanger. What happened to Paul? Well, we know historically he was martyred for the gospel. Um, but Paul had the opportunity to share the gospel uh, even as a prisoner. Therefore, we have the privilege and the honor and the opportunity to share the gospel even as uh, a soldier, as a hospice chaplain, as an individual church member. Whatever your case may be, don't let anything hinder you from being a witness. May God bless you and keep you.